Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Moments with Maya. Conversations of love and laughter. The show where each week, your host, healthcare administrator and certified humour professional, Maya Aziz, invites someone who is out there pushing the positive to join her for a heartfelt and often hilarious coffee conversation about love, laughter, leadership and, well, life. Love and laughter might not cure what ails you, but they sure go a long way to getting you through those tough life moments. So sit back, pour yourself a cup and get ready to laugh and learn today on Morning Moments. Look for the good. It is all around. It sure is. The good is all around, even though sometimes it might be a little bit harder to see these days. It is 2017, a new year, usually a time when we start fresh, We think of it as our clean slate. We clink our glasses at midnight and ring in the endless possibilities. Only this year, I know that there are many out there who are feeling maybe a little bit less optimistic about what the future might hold. It's been a few weeks as we start out this new year, weeks of some shocking violence and uncertainty about the future. And I can't help but think that now more than ever, don't we need and long to see the positive? But sometimes it seems so hidden in this forest of negativity. How do we find our way out? How can we flourish in this context? Martin Seligman, the Western father of positive psychology, said, Positive psychology takes seriously the bright hope that if you find yourself stuck in the parking lot of life with few and only ephemeral pleasures, with minimal gratifications and without meaning, there is a road out. This road takes you through the countryside of pleasure and gratification, up into the high country of strength and virtue, And finally, to the peaks of lasting fulfillment, meaning, and purpose. It sounds fantastic, doesn't it? I mean, almost fantastically impossible. Or is it? Well, today, folks, I have asked someone to join me to flesh out this idea of positive possibilities. Andrew Scott Proctor is a social media guru and entrepreneur who teaches people how to make their lives measurably happier using science-backed strategies, including positive psychology and mindfulness. He is the number one positive psychology broadcaster on Periscope, through which he has taught thousands of live students about the science of happiness and human flourishing. Andy is a contributing writer to the Positive Psychology People, has earned over 5 million views on his own happiness blog, and is the author of Live Your Mission, a book that helps you find more meaning through discovery of your unique life's purpose. Andy, welcome to the show. 
Hey, thank you so much for uh, having me here. I appreciate it. I'm so glad you could join me because, oh my goodness, is this ever a conversation that we need to have? Oh, absolutely. I think right now it, it really, really is. So, yes. So I want to I want to start, Andy. I'm I'm curious, sort of, about your journey into this world of positive psychology um, that's getting more and more talked about, um, even in the general media. Where did your own interest come from? That's a really good question. You know, I actually studied social psychology at BYU, and um, you know, pretty briefly. But then a few years ago, I was I was working for a nutritional supplement company. Uh, who offered this natural supplement for kind of mood disorders. And they claimed that they had or that they provided the science of happiness. So I kind of being the uh, uh, investigator that I am, um, I started to kind of look into it a little further. Like, what does that actually mean? You know, or do we actually provide the science of happiness, you know, with just this little supplement? Um, and so I went to the library and I started watching all these TED Talks and uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of Marty Seligman stuff. And man, I just love that quote, by the way, that you, that you uh, shared just such a, an amazing quote by Seligman. Um, and uh, I read his book flourish and I found out about map and just all the amazing things that were going on in the field of positive psychology. And I was just, I was hooked. So I, you know, as I, I started learning from the books and I started broadcasting what I was learning on Periscope and that's when it just started to really get exciting because I saw the reactions of real people who I had never met before, thousands of people who just who wanted to be happier. And either they didn't know how or they were trying the things that people were telling them to do, but they just weren't sustainable. So, you know, I was already a, a self-development blogger for, you know, LDS Return Missionaries and I had I had written a book about finding your mission in life that you mentioned, but with positive psychology, I had a platform that was backed by science and research. So that's kind of how it started for me, and it just it was just this magical uh, moment of realization that people really, really are craving this. Isn't that interesting? I mean. <laughs> There's this, this misconception, I think, sometimes about positive psychology. Oh, it's this kind of frou-frou, hippy-dippy West Coast thing that, that uh, you know, isn't important and isn't really significant. And yet, as you say, people are craving something. There's something that people are lacking um, so that when people like yourself come out and try to uh, sort of broadcast or share this science uh people are eating it up for a good reason and and i want to talk a little bit more about um what it actually is because it, there are so many misconceptions about what positive psychology is don't you think i think so for sure <laughs> i mean i i often hear people saying oh yeah. you mean you, you just sort of you know try to be happy all the time and uh oh it's just a Positive thinking, that's what you're talking I'm like, well, no, I think it's a little bit more to that. Can you maybe explain a little bit how positive psychology is not just thinking positively? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the field of positive psychology, it's, it's based on research-backed principles. So, you know, it's, it's a young field, but it already has, I mean, thousands of double-blind, placebo-controlled studies 
on the science of human flourishing. It's kind of uh, done quite a bit in the neuroscience and fMRI studies of you know what things people are what's going on in people's brains when they're feeling these things and subjective uh, feelings of of happiness. Um, and on the other hand, you know, on the other side, there's there's a whole industry based on the idea of positive thinking, and uh, you know, it's mostly well intended, I think, um, but the, for the most part, it's it's kind of lacking in legitimacy. Um, and you know, a, a lot of advice is given by well-meaning people too. Uh, you know, people say, well, think positive, like you said, you know, um, or, or just, you know, think more positively. And I think this can be difficult uh, with dire circumstances or with, you know, even with people who struggle with compromised mental health issues. Um, and positive psychology, you know, it, it encompasses positive thinking. But it also takes into account the fact that negativity is a real part of life. So, um, you know, Barbara Friedrichsen, who's kind of the, uh, she's just a huge name in positive psychology, uh, kind of the queen of po- the research on positivity, says that, you know, she doesn't like to say to people, be positive, or even to herself, you know. Um, she, you know, she doesn't ever say to herself, be positive or think positive. Um, she actually tries to say more often, be open. Mm. Um, and I, I really like that. I think that's a, a lot more powerful way to, to look at it. Um, and, you know, when, because when we're open, and the research shows this, when we're open, positive emotion is a lot more easy to experience. And um, so, you know, I think positive psychology as a field, I think it definitely has a long go. Um, before people really start to see it as a little bit more legitimate science, even though truly it is. It's legitimate social science, and there's there's quite a bit of hard science in the neuroscience side of it um, that shows a lot of the great uh, um, research backing up, you know, the, the, the importance of, of well-being and of flourishing. Um, but But because there's such a pervasive influence of um, what uh, Dan Harris actually in his book, he called it um, Happiness Inc. Um, (laughs) Huge billions, billions and billions of dollars every year spent on happiness, you know, and these uh, happiness gurus and all these things uh, that, uh, that help that, that promise happiness. But what I've seen from the people through Periscope and other social media is that really it's not sustainable. And what I love about positive psychology is that because there's research that backs it up, because it's science, it's founded in science and social science, it's, it's sustainable. It'll last. And, and it doesn't promise more than it's going to give, which is Mm. pretty much the tagline of happiness Inc. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And thank you for clarifying that because, um, you know, you, I, I totally agree with you. This idea yeah, of sort of trying sure. to be positive all the time, it's ridiculous. Um, and in fact, you know, I right. sometimes sit there looking at some social media, you know, these memes that are like endless, these streams of uh, think positive, you can do it. And, and there are moments when it actually makes me feel even worse than I already feel because 
right. it's almost um, contrary to validating that, you know what, sometimes we suffer <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. And so I like, you know, this idea of being open as opposed to being positive. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me, uh, you know, when you describe it Absolutely. that way. Thank you for bringing that up. And I want to talk a little bit more because for sure people are seeking something. I mean, there's a reason why, as you say, Happiness Inc. is doing so well (laughs) or something is (laughs) out there. And yet um, it's still not satisfying people in some way. I mean, why do you think there is sort of this, it seems to be, maybe it's just my perception, but an increase in an interest or a, people actively seeking happiness or well-being what's going on yeah that's a such a good question and i think uh, you know that's it's a tough one to answer but i think that really um to me it comes down to loneliness i think uh there's an epic epidemic of loneliness going on right now and i think people are more lonely uh, than, than really any other time um studies have shown that you know up to 80 percent of adolescents reported feeling lonely, um, and 50% of the elderly even, um, you know, they, they build a huge dependency on technology and on digital connection through social media um, and other means as well. Uh, I mean, social media kind of encourages us, like you said, to share the highlights of our life, you know. Uh, we, we all try to appear like we have it together and that we're happy and, you know, when in reality we're like we are human, we're human beings, you know, we get sick, we, we have financial problems, we get in trouble, uh, we suffer, you know, and we, we don't connect with people through social media for these things. And um, so, but we have this, this basic human need for connection. And so, you know, now when, when positive psychology comes out and says, science shows that you need close relationships for good health or whatever the study is, you know, uh, we, we jump on it because we're, we crave it anyways. You know, one, one study showed that prolonged loneliness actually has a more negative effect on our health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Um, and, you know, the, the, I think the most influential single factor in human happiness is close relationships to where we don't feel that kind of that loneliness and, you know, we, we crave emotional intimacy and positive psychology is, it's almost like our permission slip to get more of that. <laughs> so I think that's a big reason why. That's a, that's a permission slip that I would definitely sign. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think you're right. It's interesting. I, I had never sort of heard it put that way in terms of um, loneliness being such a factor. I find it interesting to hear um, your take on the impact of social media or technology, um, sort of the, the perhaps negative impact on our relationships with others, because I also know that you're a huge uh, user and perhaps oh. advocate in some ways. Of, so I'm wondering if you can sort of explain Absolutely. to me um, I, it's not a contradiction, I think, in your work. So how is it helpful? How is social media potentially a positive? Yeah, that's a great, great, great question, great clarifying question, too, is I think social media ha- is it's very powerful because, I mean, for example, I, 
you know, um, before I went on my honeymoon with my wife, um, we, I met this, this uh, Jewish rabbi in Jerusalem through Google Plus, and we became friends. <laughs> and then we went over to uh, Jerusalem for our honeymoon as a, uh, one of the stops, and we actually stayed with he and his family. And it was so neat to be able to use social media. That never would have happened in, you know, 1990 or, you know, uh, like it's just it, social media is amazing. I mean, I love the fact that I can connect with people all over the world. I mean, the, the fact that you and I are talking right now is because of social media. Um, and, you know, it's, it's amazing. Periscope. I, I, I literally have talked with thousands of people all over the world about happiness because of a periscope and um it's it's really it's it's phenomenal when it can help you to connect with people and to feel close with people the the problem with social media is the, though is that when we when we develop this dependence on that kind of i guess you could say kick of dopamine that comes from you know uh, going in, checking your notifications, and ah, yeah, I got you know all these things. They liked my picture. They uh, retweeted this. They you know hearted that. They uh, gave me a um, thumbs up or whatever it is on whatever social uh, channel you're on. And then that's it. And then and and you stop there. That's the danger. When when you don't take it offline and you stay online, there's actually studies that have shown that. People who um, are, are depressed or who struggle with mental illness and who are on social media actually um, can feel even more discouraged by looking, like you were ex- explaining before, um, by looking through other people's appearances of the ideal life, um, you know, projected on on the uh, now Facebook Live and on, you know, all these videos, streams and things that, that uh, all these social media channels make it so easy to find. So that's a great explanation. So, uh, and, and I agree with you in my own experience. It's like it gives you access to connection with people who we never would have had. And and, and you're right, you and me. That's that's a perfect example. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but if you stop and don't, it doesn't replace what comes next in terms of having actual conversations or like in your beautiful example, actually um, going to see and staying with someone that you connected with uh, over social media. Right. And, and it's true yeah. that uh, I was just reading a, an article about how there is literally a kick of dopamine, as you say, um, when people yeah. sort of see a new like pop up and it's a notification and it, it you know comes with a little sound depending on your notifications and right. there's a neurological process that happens, uh, yep. but it does not replace true connection. Exactly, like the I, I love, you know, an example would be um, that my friend Adam, who's the the Jewish rabbi, uh, he he liked all my posts. He thought it was really cool that I was religious in some way and that I have served a mission for my church, even though it was a different church than his. Um, and all those things were really neat to see that he was like liking those and even sharing some of my posts. It was like that little kick of dopamine. But the difference between that and the moment when he and I went to uh, the Western Wall in Jerusalem and, you know, for the first time, like prayed together at that at that wall, like, two different religions, two different people from two sides of the world 
coming together and literally like physically embracing and then praying is like, you just can't match that, you know, um, when it comes to uh, getting, you know, likes and shares on your, on your wall or on, on your social media accounts. So take it offline. That's, that's a huge lesson I've learned. Uh, a great lesson, and, and uh, I'm visualizing as you describe that, and you're talking about two very different things uh, in terms of what happens online and what happens in person. So I, I want to get back to this idea then of what uh, we've talked a lot about what positive psychology is not, uh, and I want to go back. You had mentioned the word, you keep using the word flourishing. Can you explain for listeners a bit more what that actually means? Yeah, absolutely. So um, flourishing, you know, uh, Marty Seligman kind of talks about this quite a bit. He he wrote a book called Flourish, and um, he he really likes to use um, this this word that he uses a lot is eudaimonia, which is the state of of flourishing, which doesn't necessarily mean that you're not suffering as well. It doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't having pain or some, uh, you know, little uh, pokes of misery in your life. But it does mean that um, on top of the, the suffering and, and, and um, you know, aside from the things that are negative that are going on in your life, uh, you, you see the, the light. Like, like you said in that, that beautiful quote by, by Marty Seligman, you know, that uh, people who are truly flourishing, all the, the, the horrible things that have happened in their life or that, you know, even just not horrible things, but the neutral things and the things that really aren't, you know, amazing. Um, we see uh, that, you know, that light um, of, of meaning and of, of achievements in the future and anticipation of good things to come and, you know, really experiencing positive emotions and, and taking them in and, and really, um, uh, you know, taking the time to uh, relish in those moments. Um, you know, I think that's, uh, there's, he, he uses a kind of a good example too that I, that I really like. And he says people uh, field before they would always, um, the purpose of psychology was to, you know, go from, help help people go from about a negative seven to a zero, um, you know, on the, on the happiness scale, I guess you could call it. But then there wasn't really anybody focusing before positive psychology, focusing on, well, how do we get from zero to two or even from two to eight? Um, and uh, on that kind of happiness scale. And that's kind of what flourishing is about is, you know, how, what what is what does the optimal life look like Re- realistically too including all the all the the real the real life you know things that happen how can we look at it better and and really you know find that uh find the happiness inside of it all so so what what would be the elements then that would make up that optimal life or that happiness? Are there specific things that sort of comprise um, that sort of sense of well-being or happiness? Yeah. So, you know, I think I like to kind of, and there's definitely more than this, but I, I really like to um, use the uh, the acronym that, that um, 
Marty Seligman kind of made famous, which is PERMA. And it's, it's easy for me to remember because it's almost like, you know, permanent. You know, you, I want to have PERMA happiness, right? Who doesn't want <laughs> PERMA happiness? <laughs> and so, you know, those broken down as positive emotions. Um, and Barbara Friedrichson talks about 10 big, po- the, the big 10 positive emotions um, that maybe I'll touch on a little bit later. Engagement is the E. Or um, like uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi is kind of the the father of of flow. Um, and tons of research on engagement and optimal human experience, or what he calls flow. Um, and then R is relationships. So like we were talking about before, this you know loneliness epidemic and really close relationships, feeling that emotional intimacy with somebody else. So it's really a huge aspect of of flourishing and then um, meaning uh, is the M where you know finding your purpose in life um, like the, the book I wrote is called live your mission and it's that's what it's about is, is really finding your calling and discovering what what you came to do um, and another part of meaning I think is is really um, looking at your life and, and kind of making a story out of it and specifically a victory story and then um, the A is is this the idea of achievement and accomplishments, um, positive accomplishments? What drives us toward um, you know goal pursuit is is just that that derives so much happiness for us. And um, Angela Duckworth just came out with an amazing book called Grit that um, just is so so important. I think for anybody who wants to you know really accomplish and achieve great things in in life, um, she truly like lays out the secret of doing that. So, so that's kind of a, a good little breakdown of, of maybe the flourishing, the, the aspect of flourishing, at least in the world of positive psychology. That's a great breakdown. And I have to, I mean, I've got tons of questions based on what you just said, but yeah. my first one is I want to hear more <laughs> about what you mean by uh, making a story out of your life and particularly a victory story. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So, you know, um, <clears throat> I think we all, you know, we all go through life and we all, uh, you know, it's like <clears throat> you, you look back on your life and um, for the last 10 years and then you, and then you think about, okay, now what's in the next 10 years? And if you look back on your, the last 10 years of your life and you say, okay, so here are the good things that happened and holy smokes, I'm in a really tricky spot right now. <laughs> and all you see is the fact that, like, you did not make it or you're, you're not what you are going to be 10 years ago. Um, actually, it's funny. Uh, on Saturday, I'm going to be turning 33. And I, and I just, I remember literally 10 years ago, I was driving from Salt Lake City up to Boise, Idaho. It's this really long frozen tundra in the winter <laughs> and I was just thinking in my mind what do I want to do in the next 10 years and truly if I look back on it what I what I had planned <laughs> when I was 23 and what I am now is very very different from what I thought I was going to be and instead of looking back on that and saying oh man what a failure I am I tr- I mean I literally I thought I was going to be a medical doctor, I was planning on going to med school and, you know, getting ready to take the MCAT and all these things. 
and it seemed like the perfect pathway. I was even going to be Dr. Proctor, right? My last name's Proctor, so it would, like, fit, you know. <laughs> the kids would love me, right? And they're like, oh, Dr. Proctor, yeah. And then nobody would forget who Dr. Proctor was, you know, perfect. But here I am. I, I don't have an MD. I'm a very different person than that professionally. I'm a social media professional. I'm an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, if I look back and I said, I'm a failure, that's that's the kind of narrative that can really be debilitating, that can actually um, foster helplessness. And But if you look at that and say, holy smokes, I... <laughs> I, uh, I I graduated from college, and I, I got a really good job when I first graduated. I mean, who does that, right? And then um, from there, I, you know, learned how to do uh, iPhone app development, and I took that and, you know, started to, to build my own websites. And then I got another job doing search engine optimization, so I learned uh, that new skill and, and started my own business doing that same thing. And then here I am with uh, using those skills, to you know, bring great things to people, um, and I mean, what a victory! You know, what a what a beautiful story that is. And the exact same information could be could be used to tell myself a really pessimistic and you know <laughs> horrible story about how I I didn't become a doctor. <laughs> and it's really important to to take that victory story and and make it make it make it a part of your life so that's really interesting um and for sure you have a, a very much a victory story if you ask me um <laughs> it, but it's interesting because we did a show a couple of weeks ago actually on healing through storytelling and i had on jude trader wolf who is wow. a professional storyteller and psychotherapist and she was uh speaking a bit about it's very similar to what you're saying in terms of how as we tell the stories of our lives, we make meaning of things that have happened. Um, and at the end of the day, we all, we all kind of just want to know that we and our lives matter. Um, so it's interesting to hear your perspective wow. in terms of finding meaning as we're looking at, you know, wanting to flourish and meaning being so important um, in that and looking at the stories uh, of our lives as, as we do that. I find that really, really interesting. And you're also right though, that, the same story it's sort of how you tell it and what meaning you find in it that can either be positive or negative what I find interesting um, you know with people that I know and I'm sure you know people like this too is that it seems as though there are some people who always find the negative story to tell and I mean are some people just like that can they change? Um, you know, is, is it something that you can learn to do? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, great, uh, great question. You know, I, and um, some people are kind of born tiggers, and some people are kind of born <laughs> more eors. I don't know if you, you know that's kind of a Winnie the Pooh <laughs> reference, but <laughs> but uh, you know, I was kind of more born a tigger, uh, to be honest. Um, and, and, and really life circumstances has, has kind of pushed me towards the Eeyore side sometimes, um, which, you know, I don't like to say, but uh, that's just the reality of it. And, but then, you know, the people who are born Eeyores, <laughs> um, you know, we, we, what they've shown in the studies, and um, uh, Sonia Lubomirsky really talks about this a lot in her book, 
the how of happiness and in her book, she really starts by talking about the the 40% pie um, of, you know, what we can control. So 50% of our happiness is really, uh, you know, where we were born. Are we born Eeyore or born Tigger? You know, some people are born with more genetic predisposition towards um, uh, being able to feel positive emotion more effectively, I guess you could say. Um, And then there's 10% uh, that is basically just circumstance. You know, uh, we just never know what's going to happen. And, you know, in 10 years from now, right, when I'm, when I'm 43, I don't know, maybe I'll have cancer. And I, I can't really um, fully control that, the circumstance of my life. Um, and, you know, hopefully not, right? Hopefully, I'm, hopefully I'm super healthy and way awesome and everything's great. But the circumstance, we don't have control over that, you know, and but 40 percent, up to 40 percent, we can we, we have full control. We can we can actually choose. Um, and so, you know, to answer your question, you know, there, there are definitely people who uh, a lot of times I like to call them the negatron, you know, or like the negative norm or negative Nancy. Like, um, you know, if you've ever worked in an office, right, um, a setting where there's a lot of different people. Um, you know, there's somebody who's who's kind of the pessimist or who's who's kind of that negatron, um, and you know they're not necessarily bad people. Um, it's just either what they've learned or genetically they just have kind of been predisposed to being a little bit more negative. And on top of that, we all have what's called a negativity bias. And you know, with that negativity bias, we we just we've evolved to really. Um, you know, just be kind of more, um, I guess, uh, we, we see the negative things a little bit easy, more easily than we see positive things. And, and negative stimuli have a greater effect on our, our brain than positive stimuli, equal positive stimuli. So um, it's, it's pretty easy to be negative. Uh, so all you negative people out there who are listening to this, <laughs> um, you know, who are saying, well, I'm one of those people, you know, uh, really, you're not a bad person. And, and it's okay. Um, it's, it's, it's really, you know, you're, you're not bad for being negative. Um, it's pretty natural to, to feel that way. And the benefits of positive uh, emotions, and the benefits of, of, of really trying to be more open so that you feel those and experience those positive emotions more often really are what drives me to teach, to try to convert those pessimists <laughs> into optimists, if possible, um, the health benefits. I mean, there's just so many things that come from, from even just making a small effort to trying to be a little bit more optimistic. And what so what are those positive? I think earlier you had mentioned there were perhaps 10 of these positive emotions. Can you just sort of quickly tell yeah. us what those are so we know what we're talking about? Sure. Absolutely. So um, so it comes from Barbara Friedrichson, and um, she talks about the, the, the kind of 10 big positive emotions. And she uh, – so the ones she, she lists out are joy, serenity, interest – Gratitude, awe, pride, amusement, hope, inspiration, and love. Mm. And she talks about how love, and she's actually written a really just 
amazing book. I just loved it. Um, about love. It's called Love 2.0. Um, and love, she says, is really kind of the the mother of all positive emotions because when you feel these positive emotions with someone you care about and you have that kind of mutual experience of positivity together is called, that's what we call love. Um, and that's really what kind of engenders those close relationships is when we feel those positive emotions together with somebody who we care about. So, so yeah, those are the, those are the kind of the big 10 and um, really they're, they're very powerful. And I think it's interesting because um, any of these are, are kind of a, um, an aspect or one of the emotions that we feel or experience when we, uh, describe to somebody that we were happy at some point and you know happiness happiness really is just kind of it's such a oh, misunderstood I guess word um, but I love that it's kind of broken down into all these different actual feelings or actual descriptions of of happiness rather than just saying yeah happiness or I was feeling happy it's like you know what I was really so interested in this book about, uh, you know, Dante's Inferno and the literature of Western civilization, or I was, I was so, um, you know, I felt so much uh, inspiration when I, when I saw the, you know, the Olympic trials in Eugene, Oregon, uh, for, for going to the, the Rio, you know, Olympics, and it's just this amazing human excellence, you know, I was, uh, and, and it's, it's very different than saying, yeah, I was, I just it made me so happy. You know, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's like, it's like love, you know, we, we use love. So, uh, I guess you could say flippantly, we just, you know, you say, I love, I love hot dogs, you know, and you can also say, I love my wife. And it's like very different, you know, type of love, hopefully. Right. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, so. It's it's interesting um, when you break it down that way um, because you know there are those are all emotions that feel good, which is I guess what, you know what you mean by it's sort of happiness yeah. broken down. And yet some of them, when you break them down, it's only when you break them down you actually think about them. You you wouldn't necessarily think of things like interest um, or even pride as being elements of feeling good right. and happiness, but they absolutely are. So it's really interesting and how they're all connected um, to each other and to things like relationship building and having meaning in our lives. Um, it's all so, so connected, which I find really interesting. Absolutely. So, okay. So the PERMA model, um, uh, you know, I too want to feel permanently uh, happy. <laughs> um, I, like, I, like, I will always remember that now. That's great. So what is PERMA 51? It has nothing to do with aliens, correct? <laughs> That's the first thing that comes to mind when I heard it, right? Uh, yeah, Area 51. Now, PERMA 51 um, is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great, I, I wrote an article about it on the positive psychology people. And um, it's kind of Martin Seligman's moonshot goal is what he, he refers to it as his kind of moonshot goal. Like JFK had this great goal, you know, to put a man on the moon, right? Um, and uh, the, the moonshot, that was crazy at the time. Um, but Marty Seligman's goal is to, 
is, is PERMA 51, and we talked about PERMA. Um, so what, what's the 51? Well, the 51 is he wants to help 51% of the world's population to be measurably flourishing by the year 2051. So that's, that's a pretty huge goal. I mean, really, um, it, for one, it's tough to measure. I mean, <laughs> anybody who's ever done any sort of scientific or academic research, it's like, oh, man, good luck, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, good luck getting approved by the IRB or whatever. Anyways, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, 51% of the world's population measurably flourishing by the year 2051. And um, so really, uh, there's a lot of different measures out there. There's even entire countries that are, that are basing their, um, you know, their success off of mm-hmm. these measurable well-being, um, you know, attributes and off of, of how, how happy their people are, not just how much money they make as a country. Um, and, you know, the, some, of, some of the people uh, who have written about it, like um, Tal Ben-Shahar talks about, you know, the uh, gross national happiness versus, you know, GDP. And uh, I think it's pretty awesome to think about it that way because really it can, it can be so influential um, in, in the economy even and in health and in so many different things. And so it's, it's to see that there's even countries like Bhutan who are, who are, and, and um, other countries as well that are, that are, that are talking about, um, and that are even implementing some of these things into their actual policies. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's I think it's very pretty visionary. Cool. It, it is, yeah. and you know, I, I, I feel, I maybe it's the it's the optimist in me. Okay, I admit it, but it's it feels like <laughs> the time the time is ripe. I mean, we've already established um, people are looking for this. People are wanting something more. Um, and the fact that some of these nations who are looking at gross national um, happiness or well-being scales as a measure of their national success, and ma- many of those countries are not super well-off countries. There, you know, there are people there who yeah. have very little because I think sometimes there's a bit of this sort of counter argument. Oh, well, it's really easy for you know all you upper middle class people to be talking about happiness when, you know, other people are worried about having a roof over their, over their heads and feeding their kids. Right. But, but these are this, this idea of well-being. I mean, it's, it really is for everyone, right? You know, I love what, um, I really love what uh, Marty Seligman said about that. Um, and he says, cause that's such a good question, you know, cause it's, a lot of people say, well, you know, how could you, how could you be worrying about happiness and, and flourishing when, when there's all these people that are suffering all over the world. Um, but there's this, there's actually a plaque in at UPenn uh, where Marty Sodman um, is, uh, you know, the professor and where he, where he teaches um, really where positive psychology was born. And on, on the plaque, it says, and this is um, quoting Marty Seligman back actually in 2000, just right before 9-11 happened. Um, And it says, when a nation is in surplus at peace and not in social turmoil, the sciences it supports turn from being only about defense and damage to be about 
achieving what is best within us. This is the vision that inspires psychology now and will create the science of tomorrow. Mm. So I think, you know, I really love that. Um, And I really hope that we as a people, a worldwide community, can embrace that because I don't know. I, I, I believe Perma 51 is an ideal that, that, that we should look to, you know, it's visionary. Um, I mean, it's, I think about, you know, JFK, like it took 400,000 people and $25 billion to get one man on the moon for the Apollo 11 mission. And, you know, people can debate about this or whatever, but I really think it's worth it because, Think of it, 400,000 trained workers, mathematicians, physicists, doctors, nutritionists, whatever, all the, everybody, you know, else that took, um, you know, that, that were required to, you know, accomplish JFK's vision to go to the moon. And I don't know, what, what would have all those people done? Um, what would they have been? if that wasn't the case and how many people wanted to work for NASA and how many people's dreams uh, were to, to, to work for NASA and to become an astronaut, you know, Uh, how does that affect somebody, the way somebody lives? I mean, even somebody, even, even the, the, the everyday worker who never will be an astronaut, but who, who, who's inspired by, uh, you know, the person who goes to, to the moon. It's worth it's worth a lot. It has a, an actual value. Um, it's not just, you know, um, it's not just a part of, of uh, you know, the, the wealthy middle class um, ideal. Uh, it's, it's these kinds of things that will inspire people to engage in the type of social entrepreneurship that will actually make a difference in the world for the people who, who don't have the luxury of, you know, uh, self-actualization, I guess you could say, um, or thinking about self-actualization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the, I mean, the, the, the economic impact of optimism is, is good for the stock market. It's good for employers because their employees are happier and more driven at work. They're strength-based. You know, they take less sick days. It's good for the government. Uh, decision-making because if we, you know, like we said before, only marking the success of a country by its economy, um, you know, why has happiness decreased and depression increased with stronger economies in the last two decades? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's because I think that GDP isn't the best measure of a nation's success. And I believe truly that well-being should be a part of that. And, you know, it, it really has a, an actual, diff, uh, you know, measurable difference that it will make. And, you know, I mean, even during the Great Depression, people still went to movies, you know, and um, it was their drive for the ideal that got us out of the Depression. And it was those, you know, the people looking to those ideals um, that really took us, took those people who were who were in the, in, you know, in the trenches of, of homelessness and, soup lines and all those things that it's the inspiration that gets us out of it. And I mean, they're definitely, you know, it, it can be really tricky and really tough to try to prove that to, you know, politicians (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) who are making decisions based on finance, financial things alone. Um, 
but, you know, a very wise man once said that if we constantly talk about and predict pessimism and, you know, economic failure, then that's what's going to happen. But if we constantly talk about how we're going to overcome it and how we are overcoming it and how we can solve it, then that's what's going to happen. So I, I absolutely believe that PERMA 51 is visionary and I think it, it needs to be a priority. And that's why I feel like it's, <laughs> it's kind of my mission in life. I mean, it's a, uh, it's been a, it's been definitely a struggle and, um, you know, uh, it's been tricky trying to, to, to do, uh, pursue this, um, as, as, as my mission is, as I'm doing other things and supporting my family as well, but it's, uh, it's definitely worth it. I mean, you've convinced me, Andy, <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right, but it, it, it needs to be a priority. I listen to you, and I feel like you're talking about the science of hope, and and what could absolutely. be more important than that. But now I'm going to ask you concretely. You've convinced me this should be our goal, um, and 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 it even is attainable, perhaps. But concretely, and I think about the listeners who are out there, um, you know, and I'm not going to get into any political discussion at all. That's not the focus of this show. But, you know, there are many people living in a bit of a a sense of um, almost increased hopelessness. Um, How, like, what can someone, if you were to give sort of one little piece of advice, what can the average person actually do to begin to apply um, some of these ideas that you're talking about in terms of this PERMA model and this optimism to their lives. Yeah, I love that. I I think um, the first thing I would say is, you know, find out your strengths and then exercise them often. So really um, <laughs> a big part of the E, you know, the engagement, I think being engaged in something that you naturally are good at and you can, you know, anybody in the whole world can go to uh, viasurvey.org. That's V-I-A survey.org and take a free, it's free science survey that tells you what your strengths are. Um, and it's put together by the University of Pennsylvania. So it's not like it's a business or anything that's trying to get your email or trying to, you know, sell you something. It's just free and anybody can take it. Uh, it's validated by research and, and um, by studies. And it'll tell you um, what you what your strengths are pay attention to. I really like to focus on really kind of my top five. You can kind of look into the top 10. I mean, I think they give you like 21 or something. Um, but, uh, but it's so important to look at what those are and do something. Even if it doesn't have anything to do with your job that you do all day, every day, full time, um, take the time, make it a priority to, to, to exercise a strength. What a great piece of advice. And that's a really neat tool. I'm going to check that out myself, actually. That's real, I've never heard of that. That's really neat. Absolutely. That's a, you know, that's great. It's sort of a very concrete thing. Um, and, and for sure, when we are, when we, first of all, the first part is actually being aware of what your strengths are. But when you do try to use those, the more you do, it feels good. It comes back to the sort of those things about, what actually makes you happy and what actually makes you feel good. So thank you for that. That's a great little piece of advice. 
Andy, I am so I hate to be negative as we're talking about positivity, but I'm very sad that we are slowly running out of time. I feel like we could talk for days about this and we might have to have another conversation sometime. But I'm I I'm wondering you know, you've described your mission as, um, you know, being trying to get this word out because you do, uh, you know, advocate so well for this idea of, of uh, the PERMA model of PERMA 51 and of, of optimism for, for everyone. What is coming up next for you? Do you have any specific projects related to this that are, that are coming up? Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, I'm actually working on um, a video course right now on the, the P of PERMA, um, I'm actually creating all the videos for the entire, you know, all of PERMA, P-E-R-M-A. And, um, but right now the positivity course is about to be released on Udemy, actually. Uh, so really excited about that. Um, anybody can go and, and check it out. Um, and, uh, and then if you go to uh, anybody who's on Instagram, I've been trying to uh, kind of Go uh, build this Instagram account um, for what's what I call more happy, and um, you can find the Instagram more happy life. Uh, it's just that's the handle at more happy life, and uh, yeah, I'd love to I'd love to interact with anybody on there. I love I try to be really active on Instagram, um, and uh, you know any of those those places I'd love to see. And if you want to look at the course, you know I'll definitely announce it on Instagram and then on Periscope. I'm also there too. I mean, really, I'm I'm kind of all over the place. If you just Google Andy Proctor, <laughs> but uh, I try to make it really easy to find me. But yeah, on Periscope, it's just uh, periscope.tv forward slash Andy Proctor. Great, and I'm going to make sure that I include um, some of those links in the notes for this show, and I'll definitely add the uh, the more happy life there. I think that'll be great. So listeners. Make uh, make some time for yourself if you want to have this wonderful sense of well-being that we have had for the past little hour. <laughs> um, be sure to check out uh, some of this information. Andy, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, I thank definitely you. feel much more positive as a result of our conversation. I have to thank you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> you have a great rest of the day. Absolutely. You you as well. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Andy Proctor helping us all feel a little bit more positive. Next week, same time, same place, we will be speaking with author and comedy coach Jeff Justice about humor as a management tool. So this is a tool that is not only remarkably effective in conflict resolution, relationship building, and motivation, but let me just say this is way more fun than any charts or analytics or optimization processes that you can possibly imagine. So please join us for that conversation. Don't forget that all episodes of Morning Moments are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and CastBox to be downloaded for your listening pleasure as a podcast. And before we go, how about a few last, last, last words from the brilliant Martin Seligman, who said, Just as the good life is something beyond the pleasant life, the meaningful life is beyond the good life. This is Maya, and I am out.
Day morning, still got my day job, but I feel so free. 